boy, howdy, I could do a sermon on that. The Apostle Paul specifically, the Apostles specifically were called to testify of Jesus to government and church officials. That's what's going on. And Jesus reaffirms this in Acts chapter 9 in his calling. He says, I have called him, I have appointed him to testify of me before what? Kings, governors, rulers. That's not my calling. My calling, I've been called here to this church. I love my calling. I tremble at the calling of uh, my brother ministers who testify of Jesus before kings and governors and princes and princes and queens. That's Paul's calling. So before the rulers in a legal setting, and there's a solemnity uh, to it. Now, I want to look at a little bit what this, for the remainder of the sermon, just some of the things that are encompassed in the idea of solemnly witnessing and much of it will be self-evident, but may, maybe not. Maybe I can shed some light on some things. The word solemn is not a word that we use too often. I would argue that our current culture, American culture, is not a solemn culture. And I'm using the word solemn um, in speaking of serious. To be solemn is your serious, and here's the key, about serious things. This is not serious about non-serious things. There are serious things of life and there are not serious things of life. And to mix and match those things is to err. What do I mean by that? I have not watched, I'm not picking on you if you're a sports person. I have, I've graduated in 86 in Amherst, UMass. I have not watched a full sports game since I was in college. And I know people are like, oh, my guy, ooh, my thing, the ball and the hoop and the net. I know that. Really? Really? Some, like, you're kicking a thing and you're running fast and you're jumping. Really? This is your whole thing? They're really serious about a not really serious thing. This is Paul being really serious about the only serious thing, really, in comparison. So there are serious things of life and there are non-serious things of life. And I'm not arguing that buying and selling and getting married are non-serious, not serious. Those are, you, you should approach marriage very serious. You should buy a field very serious. But in comparison to what Paul is testifying of, it can't compare. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It cannot compare. And so when we look at Paul, we say, we're not Paul. We're not a minister. I get it. But there's application here. The, the less serious things in life, we should treat accordingly. The things which are eternally serious, we should treat them accordingly. And I've mentioned some of them, at least to some degree. Now, when in the context of Paul... What he's testifying, what he's speaking of, first of all, he speaks for God in Christ. He's met the living living God come in the flesh. That's intensely sobering. And then he, he represents him, and he's standing before human beings who have an eternal soul. Remember the context is unsaved people. These are people that don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. Is 
no matter how offensive a sinner may be to you, no matter an unsaved a sinner, they may be they may just be grotesque in their their lifestyle of sin. They, they may be. They have an eternal soul, and when they die, that eternal soul will exist somewhere, either with the friendly presence of God reconciled in Christ if they're converted, but if they die unconverted. They will be forever dying without having the ability to die. And that shapes the content of what Paul says. And I'm arguing even his method, even his manner. It makes him intensely serious to these uh, people. When I say intensely serious, because eternal life hangs in the balance, I am kind of a weird person. If you guys go here more than a week, you know that that's true. I love the English Puritans. I love them, love them. There are some that are <laughs> less lovely to me, but mostly I read them every day. I'm reading a set of sermons by, how's this for a, a Puritan name? Ebenezer Pemberton. <laughs> this is a people that no normal people read. Ebenezer Pemberton. He has a sermon on the, the nature and the necessity of conviction of sin. He's an American Puritan, 1700s. The nature and the necessity of the conviction of sin. And he says, if you're not convicted of sin, you never come to Christ for the remission of your sins. Even if you don't buy how laboriously he is, he is laborious. I mean, I'm a believer and he's scaring the daylights out of me reading his sermon. So even if you don't buy the amount, the quantity of ink he spills, the principle is still true. This makes us intensely serious because heaven and hell are in the balance. And we want the person to be convicted of their sin such that they could find reconciliation in Christ. Now, when I say this, you know what a straw man is? You just build up a fake argument. You all believe this. Pastor John is preaching, just be walking around with a hair shirt, flogging yourself, and then just, you have to be gloomy and morose to be holy. That's a straw man. Ever heard of a guy, H.L. Uh, Mencken, 1800s? He said, Puritanism is the haunting fear that somewhere, someone somewhere is happy. Right? That is an unbeliever criticizing a believer, and he doesn't know what he talks about. That's a straw man. There's two fallacies there. That's a straw man fallacy, and there's another fallacy that Mencken makes. Ad hominem, which means against the man. You just tear down the person. You don't have to interact with their ideas. That's that. Is Paul's solemn testimony of Jesus, is it just a, then a testimony that we have to walk around gloomy, without hope? No. Christians should be the most joyful, the most happy, the most holy of any person on the planet because we're reconciled to God in Christ. What is Ecclesiastes 3? Remember when we were kids, turn, 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 the, the, the birds, they took Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. Remember that? I think it was the birds. I know I'm dating myself. I'm dating myself. Turn, turn, turn. Pete Seeger did this too. There was another lady that did it, folk singer. There is a time and a place, for everything, there's a season for everything under heaven. So let's apply this to our, to our text. There's a time for the Christian to be less serious. And then there's a time for the Christian to be intensely serious. And let's just say, what do we mean by that? 
I'm a dad, but, but I'm a grandfather. I have four grandsons. And so when my grandsons come, I am, I am like the play, pa. Pa to one side, grandpa to the other side. And I'm the play guy. And immediately I get down on the, on the ground and I wrestle with everybody. There, beloved, there's a right time as Christians to be lighter, to be playful, to be frivolous, to joke. There are plenty of opportunities for us with our spouses, our families, our friends. When you go to a wedding, that's a time of feasting, right? Joyful, dancing. I danced with my daughter. I got corrected by a church member for that. Why are you dancing with your daughter? Because she's my daughter. I'm dancing with the father-daughter. The Bible says it's time for feasting. When you come to the house of mourning, time to be super serious. So there's a right time to be light and frivolous and casual, and then there's a right time to be very serious. And when you're testifying to the love of God and the Christ of God and the remission of sins to a person, remember the context that's still in their sins. That means they're under the wrath of God at that time. And they're in danger of eternal perdition. That's the time to be serious. Have you ever heard of this group? I'm I'm not really picking on them. I'm just going to use them as an example. It's called Babylon B. Have you ever heard this, folks? Babylon B. They're Christian guys. They have, I guess, a little website and a a podcast. And they they say in their, their website, they are Christian satirists. They use satire. And back in 21, December of 20, 2021, they interviewed Elon Musk. And Elon, whatever you think of Elon Musk, he's an intentionally intelligent guy, and he's a super serious guy, generally speaking. And so rightfully, the Babylon Bee fellow introduced the subject of Christ, and he was trying to call Elon to believe in Christ. Rightfully so. Elon was responding seriously because he knew the matter was serious. And then the interviewer, the, the Babylon Bee interviewer, did something. He said something like this, Hey, Elon, can you do us, and this is the phraseology, can you do us a quick solid, is the language, I don't use that language, can you do us a quick solid and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior real quick? To which another of the Babylon Bee work crew started laughing. You, You see what happened. Why did he interject levity at that moment? What he did was correct. He wants to talk about Jesus, so I applaud him for that. Why did he interject levity? Why was he he being jocular? Because the message of the cross, beloved, is intensely uncomfortable. Both for the person who is saved, but speaking to the unsaved. If you believe the Bible, what the Bible says about the state of the lost, and you tell them, that you must come to Christ to be saved, or you will pay for your sins. That is an incredibly uncomfortable message. So the interviewer himself is uncomfortable. He he tries to diminish the weightiness, the solemnity of the message by interjecting levity. He wants to make it less uncomfortable for the recipient. But beloved, There is no way to make it less uncomfortable if you're faithful to the message. Now, I will say this. In defense of the Babylon Bee fellow, he's not a minister. He's not a minister. He doesn't have the same calling or commissioning. It's one thing for a person to, and I commend him for talking to to Jesus, about Jesus to a man that doesn't know Jesus. That's very courageous. 
most Christians are too afraid to tell an unbeliever about Jesus. So I give him two thumbs up for that. But he's not a minister. And the minister is required to minister Christ according to his calling. And ministering, trying to, to minister Christ on a podcast is far different than the Apostle Paul on trial before Jew and Gentile as an official preacher under the impending penalty of death. Totally different animal. Totally different animal. One can be more light or jocular, and I would add he blew that. He blew that. As soon as he interjected the levity, it just blew the gospel witness right up for me. Though we do understand it. And when we have this idea of Christian satire, I'm just going to apply it because I, I think it's necessary. I don't want to go too, too long, but I do want to apply this because we live in an age, I would call it very light, very casual in the Christian church, where we don't like anything solemn, even in the proclamation to the unbeliever. Everything has to be casual. And uh, do you know what? Well, let me, I'll, I'll read this to you. And uh, this is a way to really get everybody upset just before you leave. So here's a biblical, here, here's a, defini- a, defini- a dictionary definition of satire. And then sa- sarcasm. Satire is the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, you ready? Or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidities or vices. You're ridiculing something which is, you think, stupid for the purpose of correcting them from their stupidity, supposedly to drive them to orthodoxy or the truth. That's satire. And then for um, sarcasm, it is, is this. Uh, sarcasm is an, it, the use of irony to mock or to express contempt. And the idea is to shame people for the stupidity of their ideas into embracing the truth. And here's the Babylon. I'm not picking on Babylon. Maybe I am, but I don't feel like I am. Here's from the site. What is the Babylon Bee? The Babylon Bee is the world's best satire site. Now listen to this. This is just a snippet of our culture, Christian culture. We are totally inerrant in all its truth claims. That's the Bible. We write satire about Christian stuff, political stuff, everyday life. The Babylon Bee was created ex nihilo on the eighth day of the creation week's exactly 6,000 years ago. What is that, beloved? Do you know, what that, you know what's being committed right there? Yeah, but what, which one? We'll do that quiz later. We have been a premier source, since, source through every major world event from the Tower of Babel to the Exodus to the Reformation, such and so, such and so. If you would like to complain about something on our site, take it up with God. Satire in sarcasm their techniques to mock another person for their wrong views, even the unbeliever for their unbelief, supposedly in an attempt to drive them to Jesus Christ. Can you mock a person into becoming a believer? What do you think about that? Now, are you saying... Is there never a time for satire? I'm not talking about politically or culturally. Just put that aside. Witnessing Jesus as the Savior to an unbeliever, can you use sarcasm or satire to witness that saving message to an unbeliever? 
There's a man who writes a book, The Satire Edge. He says, the use of biblical sarcasm in Trinitarian skylarking. Skylarking means play, um, playing jokes. Do any of the three persons of the Godhead play jokes? Leviticus 10, 1 through 10. That's the culture we live in. Everything's light. Everything's casual. Make fun of the unbeliever. Yet we are told to do what? To love the unbeliever. When you mock a person, even for the view, the view that you don't believe, you believe a false god, let's say. When you mock them, satire, haha, just kidding, not really. It's not an expression of love for the lost. It's an expression of contempt for the lost. Jesus Christ on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them. Do we represent Christ to the lost best by mocking or like this? Intensely serious. And the seriousness for Paul carries a measure of sadness. When you, when you love a person and, and they're lost, you're sad for them. And that influences the content of your message to them. That influences your tone. When you have contempt for them, that influences your content. That influences your tone. Beloved, we're to be like Christ. We are to be serious, to be properly sad, to be zealous, to, to have decorum. When we are called by God to present the, the words of eternal life to those people that heretofore are perishing. And God will get the glory for it. May he forgive our many sins, my many sins. And may he shape the church into his own divine image. In Christ's name, amen.